Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's great books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 200 of the great books over the next 10 years and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each of the great books. Today, I'm going to cover The Prophets using a translation and commentary by Robert Alter. This is one of three parts of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, and this is book two for my 2024 reading list. Well, I've made a plan to start each year by just reading straight through the Bible. I choose a different translation, a different version. It's just something I want to do. And as I'm going through the great books, I just want to start each year off reading through the Bible. And then I, I, I like actually seeing if there are references to the Bible or if the Bible is impacted by some of the earlier great books. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm curious on that end. And and so I, uh, that's why I've made it a, a part of this project to start each year with the Bible. So the version I'm using this year of the Old Testament is the one by Robert Alter, where he not only does the translation, but also has a commentary within there. So on most pages of this version, the, the footnotes at the bottom that make up the commentary are actually larger on the page than the actual text. And so I am not reading all of the commentary. I am reading the entire Bible, but I'm not reading all of Robert Alter's commentary. But, but what I am doing is referencing it where I have questions, or I'm just kind of curious about uh, something that is written or just, you know, not understanding it. I, I'll glance at those the, at the commentary. I did read the entire commentary for the book of Genesis and realized that there was no way I'd be able to get through the Bible in two months if I read all of the commentary. So I may, I may kind of go back to different books in the future in different years and, and kind of dig in deep to each of the books with Robert Alter's commentary because it is tremendously helpful. I've, I've, I've learned a lot from it. Uh, but at this point, I'm, I'm just kind of referencing it as I read through the Bible. So the prophets, this is the second part of it. In the prophets, I'll, I'll go through what books are contained in the prophets. But uh, this is the largest of the four books that I'm reading of the Bible. So three are, are part of the Hebrew Bible, and then uh, the fourth book will be the, the New Testament. So the, the way it's split up for the Hebrew Bible with this Robert Alter translation is the Torah is first, and that's the first five books of the Bible. And that's what I covered in the previous episode. And then the second one here is the prophets. And then the third one is called the writings. And the writings consist of uh, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Esther, Nehemiah, uh, Ezra, uh, a bunch of different books, and, and then closes out with, with Chronicles. So the prophets here, uh, here are the books that are are part of the prophets. Starts off with Joshua and then goes into Judges, Samuel, Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then into the 12 minor prophets who are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Heg, Heg, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Now, this is a huge book. It's one of the biggest books I've read for this project. The prophets part was a hundred or one thousand four hundred and four pages, so it was it was large. But again, uh, most of the page is taken up with the commentary, and that's in very small font. And then the the rest of the Bible. So it took me thirty seven hours and forty two minutes to get through this this book of the prophets. I did that over twenty days, and I averaged seventy pages per day. And that was between January 22nd and February 10. Again, it's a 1,404 page page book. And so 
In the last episode, I, I covered the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And in, in those books, we saw creation, we saw God calling Abraham, and then we saw this uh, the, them being taken to to Egypt, uh, and then all of a sudden they're they're in slavery in Egypt. They they uh, there's the exodus out of Egypt through Moses, and then they get to the edge of the promised land. And and so to Abraham, God had promised this land, and now at the end of the tour, they're right on the verge of of entering this promised land, and the 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 Israelites are made up of twelve tribes, and. And so they're they're right on they're right on the edge here, but Moses cannot take them into the promised land. He screws up, and so that that falls upon Joshua to take them them into the promised land. So that that's where we pick up here in the prophets. First book is is Joshua, and so Joshua is is taking them into the promised land, and and uh, so that that's where Joshua starts. And so basically, it starts not in the land, and then uh, they get into the land. In the book of Judges, uh, just to kind of a quick overview of, of the prophets here. In Judges, that's kind of the initial leadership of the people of Israel when when they are in the land. Uh, so they don't have kings right away. They're they're these they're these judges. And then we get into the book of Samuel, and, and that is the shift into kingship. So Saul is the first king, and then we get into King David. Uh, we have the stories of like David and Goliath, uh, David and Bathsheba, and, and really the co- consolidation of power into one people uh, made up of these 12 tribes. So that's that's really the book of Samuel. The The beginning of, of the book of Kings is where the kingship transfers from David to his son Solomon. And uh, there's kind of this Godfather scene in the beginning where David's saying, you know, you got to take this guy out. He did this in the past. And and Solomon does that and, and consolidates power. There was, you know, kind of talk of, of split, but but uh, it remains altogether. But after Solomon, the kingdom splits into two. You've got Israel in the north and then Judah in the south. And, toward, and, and then the rest of the book of Kings is just describing the two kings or, or the two, two uh, areas. Israel and Judah and the kings that that were part of them. And so it's just a book of like, then this person was king, and then uh, this person was king. And then there is a moral judgment on each of the kings of whether they were a good or a bad king. And in Israel, all of the kings were bad, there was not a single good king in Israel. And Judah kind of had a mixed bag. So some of the kings were good, some of the kings were bad. Uh, Towards the end of kings, we start to see that uh, the 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 two kingdoms are are going to be exiled, and, and Israel is in fact exiled, and they are exiled to Assyria. So the Assyrians come in, they attack them, and then they scatter them and assimilate them into different areas. So at that point, Israel ceases to exist, the kingdom of Israel in the north, and and oh, the people are are scattered into different lands. Uh, the Assyrians did this. This was kind of their the way they operated. And then the not only that, but the Assyrians brought in other people into that land. So kingdom of Israel is gone by that point. A little later on, uh, the kingdom of Judah is exiled as well. Uh, the Babylonians come in, attack them, and exile them to Babylon. A few of the, the people of Judah go to Egypt, but uh, most of them go into Babylon. The people of Israel never return to Israel, the kingdom of Israel. They're, they're scattered. It, it's gone. 
the people of Judah, some of them do return, and uh, but they re- they don't return to Israel; they return to Judah and uh, the area uh, J- Jerusalem and, and, and surrounding area. But they return to Judah, not not Israel. So then we enter the the major and the minor prophets, and they're kind of broken up into two different groups. So you've got uh, you've got some of the prophets who are either prophets to Judah or prophets to Israel uh, to the different kingdoms, and then the the second major group is prophets that are either before, during, or after exile. So each of the prophets kind of fits within that graph at, at somewhere, whether it's to the people of Judah or Israel, uh, and then whether it's before, during, or after exile. So at the end of the, of, of the prophets here, you, you've, you've got these lists of promises uh, of, of, of a return to the land. You've got uh, these, these different, these different, you know, if you do this, then this will happen. And some of them are fulfilled. Some of them are in the process of being fulfilled, but there's a lot that's not fulfilled. And so at the end of the prophets, you, you're just kind of, you're kind of wondering, you know, what happens next? Uh, the prophets are, are telling what, what is going to happen. They, they've also told what will happen if you don't do such and such. Um, so kind of before, whether they're before or after the exile. So yeah, there, there's this tension at the end of, of, of the prophets of, of what's going to happen next. And so I think the writings will get into, into some of that, but then, um, but then some of these questions are just kind of kind of left hanging there at the end as well. As for an initial reaction uh, to to reading the prophets, every time I read them, I, I pick up more. I mean, that, that would seem like probably the most obvious thing I could say, but it, it's also just I'm, I'm looking for different things every time. And part of that I, I covered in the last episode where just by starting reading in, in Genesis, something usually pops up and I'm like, I either never noticed that before, or that's really interesting, or I've read other things that kind of help me pinpoint that or think about that. And, and so I'll cover some of those things in the next segment, which is a segment of observations from the prophets. But yeah, that's just kind of, that's kind of my main initial reaction is, is just, it, it's fun to read to, to do this every year, to read through the Bible and just see what I gravitate towards, see what I pick up, see what sticks out to me. Uh, the, so next segment will be those observations. And then the final segment will be the one thing, my one key takeaway. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing to say about the Bible, but just like the one thing I'm still thinking about or, or that, that I guess shocked me the most when, when reading it this time. Want to, want to make a quick note here. One of the, uh, or the actual last book I read in 2023 was Paul and the Resurrection of Israel by Dr. Jason A. Staples. And I saw that someone else read, read that book recently and they made the statement that there's no going back. You've changed things forever. And that's really how I feel about that book as well. He talks a lot about the the distinction between the people of Judah, the, the people of Israel, and the terms and how those terms were used in these ancient texts, how they were used in texts around this time as well, especially in the Second Temple period. And it, and it truly is. It's one of those books where there's no going back. You've changed things forever. You, you, it's changed how I've looked in, at, at these terms, how I've looked at the books of the Bible and, and how I read them. And so even in this segment of observations, just having read that book as the final book of 2023, right before I started into the Bible, it's kind of fresh and it, it's just, it's how I'm... Um, it's how I'm looking at things and, and questioning things and, and wondering, you know, why why was 
this term used here? Why was it not this term? And this doesn't this term doesn't me seem to make sense here. Why is this term being used? So it, it's fun. Like I, I, I uh, it, it's causing me to, to read at a deeper level, uh, to ask deeper questions. And so I, I hope some of that comes about in this episode. But I, but I do suggest you check out that book. Uh, I'll link to the show notes in the show notes to the episode that I that I did about that book. And then uh, also link to where you can can purchase that book. But uh, that, that's been very helpful just in, in reading through the prophets, uh, especially Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and then um, also just to, to consider what, what is happening and, and, and why. So I, I, I wanted to plug that book again. So here are seven observations as I read through the prophets. The first, and this really comes from the version I'm reading and the Robert Alter translation and commentary is just the difference between poetry and prose. This is something I never noticed before, but it's something that Robert Alter points out repeatedly. So he'll say, you know, such and such wrote this book in poetry. Uh, and then the, the formatting of the translation that Robert Alter does, it, it's, it, it shows up in poetry to where it's, you know, smaller mar or larger margins and, and, um, j just gives that feel. Whereas prose, he said, you know, this is, this is where this, this author is using prose. And, uh, so poetry will often have an elevated sense, like it's elevated language. It's, it, it kind of gives importance to that. Um, whereas prose might be more of a, a descriptive text of, you know, what's actually happening in, in this, in this scene. So in the books of like the history where Kings and Samuel, that's going to be more prose where you'll have points of poetry in there where perhaps someone is speaking or that kind of a thing, or there's a song or, or something like that. Um, I, I'm, I'm in book three right now of the Hebrew Bible, and I'm currently reading Job. And what's really interesting in Job is that the first two chapters are in prose, the very last chapter is in prose, but then everything in between is poetry. So it just has me asking this question as I come to every book here of, of what's the use case for each where you would use prose in one case, but you'd use poetry in another. Um, uh, the, the poetry, using poetry there's there's a lot of instances where the purpose of that is for memory to help you remember it easier. Maybe uh, there's kind of a meter to it. Uh, poetry in in our sense in 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 at least in the United States often has the connotation that it will it will rhyme. But again, the the rhyme is there and it, and it helps you to remember the the poem. Uh, a lot of what is in the Hebrew Bible is going to be kind of a, a parallel to where they'll make one statement and then the, the next statement will be an exaggeration or, or an, an enhancement of the first statement. Uh, so not necessarily rhyming, but, uh, but, but that kind of a parallelism, but poetry just has this elevated language aspect to it. And so I just find myself, especially as Robert Alter is highlighting each case, uh, to, to just focus on that. And, and it's something I've never done before. And so it's just kind of really neat to, to make, that uh, observation and distinction. So that, that's the first the first thing on this list here. The second is the land. And this is, is something I covered in, in the last episode. What's the deal with the land? The, the, the land is promised to Abraham, the land of, of Israel, the land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, but, but they lose the land, the, the kingdom of Israel, they're, they're scattered, they're, they're gone. So the, 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 the land of Israel is, is no more. Uh, but the promise is still there. 
So what, what's the deal with that? And this kind of gets into my third thing of, of just the word forever. There are a lot of promises, and a lot of the promises have carry the connotation that they will be a promise forever, whether the 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 sons of David will rule forever, or um, you'll be in the land forever. Uh, there's there's this promise. And so, but a lot of the things don't last forever. So what's the deal with these promises? Like, why, why does it say it's forever, but uh, it's not forever, and, and it, it goes away? Uh, so I, th- I think there's kind of two options here. Uh, since some of these pro- promises were based upon a covenant, there's there's this aspect that there's two parties to that covenant and they both need to keep their part of it. So if uh, God keeps his part of the covenant, but the people don't, then the covenant is null and void and there's there's a penalty for breaking that covenant in, in all that. So that's one possibility is that these forever promises don't ex- they don't exist anymore because they're null and void. So that, that's one option. But the other option is that the promises is still there. It's still meant to occur, but it's meant to occur in the future. And so, again, just another observation. I, I've, I, every time I'm coming across the word forever or, or there being a promise that is supposed to be forever, I, I'm kind of making note of it and, and writing it in the back of, of, the, of the Bible. And just, you know, what, what does this mean? Because uh, the land was promised forever. They're not in the land. What, what's the deal? The fourth thing is, uh, to this day, this term shows up over and over. And it, it's something I, I pointed out in the first episode of, uh, about the Torah. But just this distinction of when the events happened compared to when they were written about. And so a lot of these books were compiled during the Babylonian exile. And what does that mean? Were they were they pulling from earlier texts and just kind of, you know, copying them down? Or were they being composed at that time? Were they being written? And so these are just kind of questions I've, I've had during the reading this time. And I, I'll get into this more in my one thing. This will this will tie in really closely. But just again, an observation, uh, and, and just to kind of take a step back. When I when I'm when I mean observation, it's kind of like I keep writing these things down in my notes in the Bible. So these are the things that showed up over and over again, and and that stuck out to me. I noticed, and and oftentimes for the first time. So th- this uh, in going through the Bible, this was the first time that these things really stuck out to me. Every time I'm coming across them now, I'm, I'm making notes of them and, and that sort of thing. All right. The, the next thing, number five here is, is it kind of points back to that, the way I started this segment in Dr. Jason Staples' book, uh, the terms all Israel and all Judah. So all Judah, that term is, is not used very much at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm very fascinated when the term all Israel is used because it is used quite often, but it's used in the prophets and it's used after Israel doesn't exist. So what does it mean to say all Israel when 10 of the tribes are scattered and they don't live in the land anymore? Uh, what does that mean? Um, is it, is, did, did, did Judah, like, did Judah take their name? And so like once Israel's gone, Judah then becomes Israel. And so we just start calling Judah Israel. Is, is that what happened? Or does all Israel point to a time in the future where all of the 12 tw- tribes will reunite? And if that's the case, how is that going to work? Because they've been scattered. They're not, uh, you can't like get them back. They're not coming back. And especially now, like 2,500 years later, what, what does all Israel mean at this point in time? 
So again, just uh, kind of you know noticing that and and wondering you know, why why is the author why is the prophet why is uh, this this book why is it referring to all Israel here especially after the exile where Israel does not exist number six uh, I, I noticed the importance of the founders of the two kingdoms so you've got uh, the kingdom of David and that's pretty much consolidated and then still mostly consolidated during Solomon but then Solomon dies and the kingdom splits and you've got Jeroboam and Rehoboam and Jeroboam is the king of Israel in the north, and then Rehoboam is king of Judah in the south. And they both have a, a pretty bad start to their to their reigns, uh, like awful. And so, but with with Israel, the kings of Israel, you would have this this line that kept showing up of the subsequent kings. They would say they they reigned like Jeroboam, and so Jeroboam, Jeroboam had set this this awful direction, and. They kind of they followed. It, it was it was almost like hard to break from that. Whereas in Judah, you had a mixed bag. So Rehoboam, horrible first leader after the the kingdom splits. But there were this there's this term instead of like in Israel where it would say and they reigned like Jeroboam, uh, or went in the ways of Jeroboam. In Judah, you had kind of this mixed bag where it would say that they some of the kings that were good they went in the ways of David. And so David kind of is the, the founder of, of, of the kingdom. And so some of the kings went in that way and they were good kings and then others didn't. And they were like Rehoboam and they, and they were bad kings. And I just found that to be really interesting that, that the, the initial leadership and, and who you looked back to, that set a strong direction for each of the two kingdoms. Israel was never really able to get past that. Judah uh, had both good and bad kings, but again, just it was the the initial leadership in in the importance of that for direction. Last thing here of of observations is uh, number seven. Robert Alter keeps highlighting this utopia. He calls it the utopian hope for national restoration, and this is again where the exiles are going to return, and they're going to return to the land, and. Um, I, I, I kind of got this sense that Alter was highlighting it as as kind of like ab- absurd's not the right word, but just like okay, this this is this is kind of quaint and, and neat how the prophets are. They've got this utopian hope that that that, that the people are going to come back, but they're scattered, like they're not coming back. Uh, so this, but you see this, you see this writing and you see this hope keep coming back. And so it's just kind of interesting. Uh, Alter keeps calling it a, a utopian hope uh, in, in that sense of just, you know, that this is not going to happen. But uh, going back to Dr. Jason Staples book, he, he talks about how that will happen and how it, how it, how it's expected to happen. And so I, I just think that's interesting. Again, it's observation. Uh, a lot of the times when, when you're coming across the, the restoration language, the, uh, you look down at the footnotes and Robert Alter calls it the utopian hope for national restoration. So that was the, these are the seven things that, that really stuck out to me while reading through the prophets this time. All right, now onto the one thing, the one thing that really stuck out to me in, in this reading. And what's funny is I, I highlighted it in the episode I did about the Torah. And I, I said I had this question that I hadn't pondered before, and 
the thing is, I'm not going to get the answer of it in the Bible, because this is one that is dealing more with scholarship. So I'm, I'm going to have to have a scholar on the episode and, and ask him or her this question. And, and so that's kind of how I left it in the last episode. But, but the question actually got answered in the prophets here, and it got answered in the footnotes by Robert Alter. So Alter highlighted it. I wasn't expecting this, but I, I do want to highlight it because um, <laughs> I, I didn't think I'd get it answered until I like talked to a to a scholar about it. But here here's kind of the the genesis of this this question. the 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 question deals with the timing of of it of writing, and and I mentioned this in the last segment here of just. To the to this the the phrase kept coming up to this day and so they're writing about it in like, you know this thing happened he- then but you can still see the ramifications or you can see this pile of stones that was put up at at when this thing happened you can still see this to this day or this people group is still here to this day, uh, so when this is being compiled as opposed to when it was when it actually occurred, and so it just kind of led to these questions of was it. Was it compiled or was it written at that time? Because depending on that, it, 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 it changes how you read it. Like, were the people at the time when these things were happening, were, were these the expectations they had or were the expectations being written about later uh, from a different people group? And so that, that's kind of the genesis of the question, just where, where I'm kind of battling that as I'm reading reading along because a lot of this stuff was compiled during the Babylonian exile, but the things being written about may have been 500 or more years before. So just what's the timing in all this? Uh, what was, what did they actually have? Like what, what version were they reading back when it actually happened or as it was being done compared to when it was compiled, that kind of thing. And so the answer came up in second Kings in chapter 22. And this is where King Josiah, who is a, a king of, Ju- of Judah, he, and he's one of the good Kings. He, he comes across a book. And, uh, so let me just read this. And, and Hilkiah, the high priest said to shop on the scribe, I have found a book of teaching in the house of the Lord. And later on, um, the priest gave me a book and, and Shaphan read it to the king. It had happened when the king heard the words of the book of, of teaching that he rent his garments. And the king charged Hilkiah, the priest, um, and the scribes and said, Go inquire of the Lord on my behalf and on behalf of the people and on behalf of all Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because our fathers have not heeded the words of this book to do as all that is written in it. So that's, that's uh, I'm going to end the quote there. And that's from Second Kings. And then now I'm going to start reading from the footnote of Robert Alter. And so here we go. For two centuries, the scholarly consensus, despite some dissent, has been that the found book is Deuteronomy. So let me pull myself out of the quote here for a second. Uh, King Josiah, that they had found this book, and then King Josiah says, you know, "Let's please read it," and then that that causes a bunch of of changes and, and all that. And so Robert Alter is saying here that the the scholarly consensus is that that was the book of of Deuteronomy. Uh, so let me go back into what what uh, Robert Alter was saying here. Although attributed to Moses, it would have been written in the reign of Josiah, perhaps drawing on some earlier materials. The book found in 621 BCE was altogether not 
identical with Deuteronomy as we have it, which almost certainly included some later elements and was not edited in the form that has come down to us until the Babylonian exile. The major new emphasis of the book brought to Josiah were the repeated stress on the exclusivity of the cult in Jerusalem, the place that I shall choose, and dire warnings of imminent disaster and exile if the people fail to fulfill its covenant with God. End quote. And so that that um, it doesn't fully answer the question, but but it at least addressed it, and and I thought it was interesting. And so just on on some different levels here, you've got uh, when the when the book was written, and uh, Alter saying that. It, it, there was a, a version and, and they were taking part of that, but there, there were some additions to it as well. So that, that answered that part of the question. Um, but just also of, of ans- asking that question of, was it identical with what we have, the Deuteronomy that we have now, or uh, were the warnings added later to kind of show like, hey, now that we're in exile, we realize that, uh, that you should have been heeding these warnings. And so it gets into it a little bit there. I, I still will address this with with scholars, but I was just happy to see that it was addressed at all, and uh, just kind of helped in that that understanding that here um, Josiah comes across this book. It's probably what we now know of as Deuteronomy. It's not exactly the same. Here are some pot- potential differences to it. Uh, I just found that to be really really fascinating, and that's kind of my one big thing from uh, from this this book uh, from the prophets. So to recap, uh, these are really exciting books. If you've never read through the Bible before, uh, Samuel and Kings are just, they're, they're amazing books. I mean, the, the story, you'll, you'll be in rapture just reading these, these books. Uh, the prophets, they can get a little weird. Um, I've, I always, Isaiah for me is always challenging. Uh, Jeremiah, I, I, I always really enjoy. Um, and then Ezekiel is kind of a, a, a mixed bag of, of, I, I enjoy it. I like it. And then it's also got some, some weird parts as well, but, uh, yeah, just, these are, these are really exciting books. Um, if you get a chance, read the Robert Alter translation and commentaries, he's actually sells a lot of these books just at, in their individual form. So you can get just Samuel and it's called the David story. Uh, you can just buy that book and it contains first and second Samuel and then the first two chapters of Kings because uh, that's kind of a, a, a full narrative together there. Uh, you can just get the Psalms. You can just get um, Genesis. You can get, just get the Torah. Uh, so there, there's different ways you can approach this. The, the version I got is the entire Hebrew Bible and it's split into the three books. But it's, I've, I found it to be very helpful. Robert Alter will highlight different words and say, you know, this word was used here in this book of the Bible. That's why I translated it this way. So just kind of seeing like, one person talking about how they translated and the deci- de- the decisions that went into that is is really fascinating and I've I've learned a lot. The other thing I really appreciate about the Robert Alter commentary is that he highlights a lot of the ancient Near East ideas and other books and and how those may have influenced the Bible or how the the Bible may have influenced those. And just with my great books project here of reading some of these ancient. Uh, texts, especially last year in 2023, I've, I've found that to be very fascinating. So just in terms of timing, this is kind of perfect timing for me to, to get into the Robert Alter translation and commentary. 
There will be two more books. Uh, so the one I'm reading right now is, is the writings, and that's the final book of the Old Testament. And then I, I will read a, a, a different translation of the New Testament. Robert Alter has not done a translation of the New Testament. So I'll do a, a different different one of, of that. And I will uh, highlight those in the podcast coming up. Give a quick plug for EPR Creations. That is my company. I do website development and online consulting. And so Books of Titans is a side project for me. I fund it all through EPR Creations. So if you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is to let me know if you know of someone who needs a website, if you, knew, if you know of a company that needs a website. I work with universities and small businesses and health organizations on their online presence. So if you know of someone who is in need of a website, uh, search engine optimization, online presence consulting, please keep me in mind. That's the work that funds this reading project. Uh, I don't do basic websites. So uh, most of what I do is is complex websites, big websites. So don't don't send me kind of like the basic, uh, I, I need a one page website or something like that. But uh, more of, of companies or organizations that you know who need an overhaul in their web presence. And I thrive in, in those circumstances. I do want to highlight one other thing. Uh, I, uh, I'm the business manager at Landmark Booksellers, and we've just announced a number of subscriptions. So book subscriptions where you get one book a month. And, and I'll link to all of those that we have, but there's one in particular that's called the Books of Titans book subscription. And so I have curated a list of 12 books. And here's how it works. Uh, you, at the beginning of each month, you'll get an email and it, it will say, here is this month's pick. If you've already read that option, uh, if you ever have already read that book, you, you'll see two other alternatives in the email. And, you, and so you can select one of those if you'd rather have that. But this is a, a list of, of books that, <clears throat> that I've read for this project. And that I think are the best ones I've read that they're probably the mo the ones that are most likely to, to change your life or change your thinking. And so if you, if you don't want to put in the time to research what, what to read next, let this be your guide. Let, uh, let the, the list of, of books that I've curated, let, let us send you those one a month. It's 39 bucks a month. And that gets you a hardcover version of one of these, one of these books. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you if you have read, especially if you've read the Walt Robert Alter translation and commentary of the Bible, or just in general, if if uh, if you've read the prophets and and you know I missed something or there's something you want to share, I would love to hear that. I one of the reasons I started this reading project was to connect with other people who are reading the same books as me. I will include a lot of info in the show notes in terms of the links, one to, to Dr. Jason Staples' book that I mentioned, uh, also to EPR Creations, and then another one to um, to the, the Books of Titans subscription, the book su subscription that you, can, that you can sign up for. You can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter, and the website is stocked full of resources to help you find books and to create your own reading list. So I'll be back in a week or two. I'll, I'll discuss the writings, the next book of the Hebrew Bible, and then the New Testament. And I also have some ideas for some other episodes that I want to do that are, uh, one would just be uh, to have someone on to discuss the differences between poetry and prose. And then I also want to have Dr. Jason Staples on where I can ask him some questions about the Bible that have come up in my reading. And then also to discuss that new book that I mentioned that he, that he just wrote. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out. Mm -hmm.